All right, well. Okay, okay. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, Deep Cover Podcast, um, a little bit different episode. You know, I know there are probably some listeners and, you know, a lot of people out there who, who want the distraction of sports, talking about sports, doing some of that right now. But, um, you know, unless you have uh, buried yourself in a bunker, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> talking about bunkers, uh, you buried yourself in a bunker somewhere, um, there's been a tremendous amount of things happening in our country. Um, over the last seven to 10 days. And I think uh, I speak for Chris and Carrie, and they're going to speak for themselves in just a minute here, when I say we felt an obligation to talk about some of those things and our feelings, you know, and, and, and how those things manifest themselves in our lives. Um, if you don't know it by now, all three of us are black men. So, you know, this 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 resonates with us on a lot of different levels. So, you know, there'll be plenty of time to talk Ravens, to talk football, to talk, you know, things that are fun, things that, you know, we, we all enjoy and share some commonality around. But we all share some commonality around this issue, too. Um, and it's way, way, way more important. So that's what we're going to do on this episode. Wanted to lay that out um, right from the beginning. Um, I'm not going to, you know, do, I guess... I don't know if I would call it a format, but I guess I have a little bit of a pattern in terms of how I do things with intros and setting setting each guy up. But we're just going to uh, to get right into this. And so because uh, you'll hear you'll hear how Carrie and Chris feel, you know, there's no sense of me going to them. Say, hey, how you doing? How you feel? We're going we to hear all of that. So uh, we were just talking before we started recording about, well, where do we even start? You know, where do you even start? You know, so much has happened since uh George Floyd's murder was broadcast, you know, live um, for us to see. But that was the incident, um, the spark, I guess, maybe is another way to describe it, that really precipitated a lot of what has happened since that time. So we kind of wanted to just go back to that moment and start there and really just kind of discuss, you know, how we felt. You know, what, what was happening um, for us, you know, inside of us, around us, uh, as we witnessed that. So, Carrie, I'll start with you. Um, you know, we're, we're, yeah, I know we're, we're going back now. Uh, we, we also talked about how so much has happened even since then, and it hasn't even been that long since then. But if you take yourself back to that moment, um, you know, what, what was going on? Yeah, man. So I was um, I was at work and I was on break when I saw the news about George Floyd. So, you know, I'm sitting there in the break room, I'm scrolling Twitter, and I see this video pop up. And, you know, I watch maybe half of it. Um, you know, that was about as much as I could stomach. And, you know, Twitter was just filled with the video and, you know, updates. And I think right after I clicked away from the video, the very next tweet I saw said that, you know, George Floyd ended up you know, dying. And so I'm sitting there with tears in my eyes and I'm just trying to process it. And then I thought to myself, if someone comes in here right now and asks me what's wrong, like, what do I do? Like, you know, what do I say? Um, 
let me be let me first be clear about that. Um, I haven't had any issues with anybody uh, I work with at all. It's a good work environment um, with good people. But I'm the only black person there. So, you know, inherently, we see America through two very different lenses. So, um, you know, if I, you know, share, you know, with them what what it is I'm, I'm in there crying about. And that person isn't as furious, as hurt, as dejected um, as I am, then, you know, quite naturally, I'm going to feel some way about that. And, you know, maybe that's a little unfair. Um, I don't know, but that's just kind of where I was with it. Um, You know, typically, I don't make it a point um, in, you know, in the workplace or even in the public um, to have conversations like this or, you know, to even convey any of that. But um, what I try to get across to people is um, it was just such of a, a array of um, um, emotions, you know, you're just fear, hurt, vulnerability. And, you know, in that moment, I felt like a need for comfort that was, you know, kind of foreign to me. Um, and, you know, I really felt hopeless in that moment. And so, you know, just kind of looking at things, um, you know, a lot is being made of the protests that are going on and it's kind of easy to judge um, and kind of get wrapped up in um, these display of emotions. But, you know, I just urge people not to lose um, sight of the, the hopelessness that's, that's that's a driving force in, in you know, this emotion. Um, I don't want to equate my feelings or the feelings of these protesters uh, to that of George Floyd, um, you know, in his last moments. But I can't help but to kind of draw parallels between him uh, calling for his mom in his last moments. And, you know, his mom died two years earlier. Um, That to me feels like someone who was absent of hope in that moment. And so, you know, the best way I can kind of convey um, what it is to be black, um, you know, in America is uh, that absence of hope. You know, we all have been through difficult times, but, you know, we've had um, kind of all had lights at the tunnel, lights at the end of the tunnel, I'm sorry, um, to kind of look to to kind of help us through things, to help us persevere. But, you know, what happens when there isn't a light? You know, what happens when when people's hope is taken away from them? And that's what we're dealing with here, man. Like. Uh, there doesn't seem to be an ending in sight for this kind of behavior. And, you know, it's just a hopelessness, man. That's like, you know, I, I think I've said that word a, a thousand times over the last week and a half, but that's the best way I can kind of convey uh, my feelings and, you know, the feelings of people, you know, that are dealing with this is, is, you know, that hopelessness, man, is, is a, it's a powerful um, thing. And, you know, instead of judging people, you know, have some empathy for them and, you know, put your back up against the same wall that they have their backs up against. And just kind of think about how you would feel and how you would react before you kind of judge. So, you know, that's 
that's kind of where I was at when I when that kind of news broke and I, I've kind of been in that 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 space since then. Yeah, I uh, I'll save um, sort of my my thoughts and my feelings. I want to hear from Chris first, but we um, all kind of exchanged some messages around that time. And I remember you, Carrie, sharing what you what you just said about where you were and how you felt and the emotions you were feeling. And uh, I think I can't remember now. I'm not looking back through the messages, you know, right right in front of me now, but. If we didn't all use that word hopeless and helpless, we, we were certainly all feeling it. You could you, That was the tone of the messages, I think, that we were sending to each other was just that 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 utter despair where it just felt like, look, time and time and time again, we have these images, you know, in front of us, forced in front of us of just how little value the lives of black people have in this country, you know, to see them literally taken in front of us in the most inhumane of ways, almost like you're not dealing with another person, you know, and how many times you have to see that. And I know we all felt that, that all resonated with us. So again, let me, let me, let me stop because I, I said I wanted to hear from you, Chris. So Chris, yeah, if you just can kind of take that and kind of share a little bit about, you know, what you were feeling when that happened. Yeah, so I'm the person that sent it to me was one of my best friends and um I couldn't I couldn't watch it. I can't I can't even watch movies like that like uh the Michael B Jordan and Jamie Foxx movie. I can't even watch, you know, stuff like that happen in movies, let alone it being a real thing. So to this day I still haven't watched the whole video cuz I just I would I would just be hearing that like I've seen the transcripts of what he said and when he's calling out for his mom and I don't I don't know I just I can't have that in my head because it's it, it's a it's a painful thing to to see somebody go through and you know for such a, a senseless thing and like you guys said it's it gives you a, a hopeless feeling and and almost that you're you're not as as valuable in a sense because time and time again we see this happen and police get off scot free and it's like it's is this going to be the same thing and that's where the hopelessness comes because it's on video you see it from beginning to end but you still have to wonder is anything going to happen to this cop other than him getting maybe you know suspended with pay and and that's a that's a sad feeling to have where you know that a guy can get murdered a black man can get murdered or a black woman could get murdered or a black child could get murdered and the murderers at hand can get away scot-free i mean that's just it, it brings you to to a, a breaking point and i think that's where we see a lot of people are where we're fed up, other people are fed up as well, and I just think with with couple that with everything going on with this whole COVID situation, it's like, damn, in a pandemic we can't even you know get fair treatment. <laughs> it's like we we get it, you know, 
we get it. It's it's just always shoved in our face that you know we're not we're never going to be equal in this country, and and you know I just think everyone really just wants change and and fair treatment because this is it's it's too much and it's been going on for too long. Yeah, and I think that that part that you mentioned right at, at the end about people wanting change and people wanting and, and demanding now change and, and fair treatment um, is something that I, I know we'll get to uh, in this conversation. Um, we've had some other conversations uh, this past week with each other, with other people in our circles, with, with people um, who don't look like us. Um, just to, you know, try to have some open and honest dialogue about where we are and um, how, what can we do, you know, what can we do to, to change things, to make progress, to um, move this forward. And so I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to cast this shadow as if, um, you know, we, we don't think that um, there are reasons to be optimistic. Because I, w- I would say in that moment, I did not feel that at all. Uh, I was here at home. Both my wife and I are fortunate enough to be able to work from home uh, during during this pandemic. I mean, that's a blessing in and of itself. We both got income coming in. And I was in one room. She's in another room working. And I'm watching it on my phone. And she's watching it on her phone. We come together. And, you know, the, we're both, you know, emotional about it. Um, we both, it. It's almost like you can't believe it, but you you are also not surprised at the same time when we're watching it, which is a terrible thing to even you know speak. Yeah, we we shouldn't watch that video and say, "Here we go again." Yeah, and that's unfortunately that's you know I, I don't know if we said those words, but I mean we you know I'm looking at her, she's looking at me. I mean that's 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 what we're that's what we're thinking in that moment is that. As, as terrible as this is, and that is like you said, Chris, I mean, you don't even want to see that kind of stuff in movies. You don't, you don't ever want to see that. Um, but at the same time, we're thinking it's not the first time, and it probably won't be the last time. And so, for me, um, you know, it, it 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 really, and I try to be I try to be optimistic. I think anybody who, who listens to this podcast and follows us on Twitter when we talk about football and Ravens and all of that. I hope um, something I've, I've, I've done, I've tried to do, is, is try to be positive. Right? All my interactions with people through Twitter or what have you, try to be positive, try to try to have an optimistic worldview. And quite frankly, that was one of the reasons that I didn't feel like recording a pod last week because I didn't have that. I just didn't have it. You know, I feel like I'm getting back there. But for a few days last week, it wasn't even just that I didn't want to talk about football, which was obvious. I mean, that was right off the jump. It just didn't matter in that moment. But I didn't want to talk about anything. You know, I just, I was just like, there. It, it just didn't seem like it was worth the effort. And that's kind of a, a, a low point. That's kind of an admission of kind of hitting rock bottom for me as somebody who talks probably way too much about everything, um, didn't have anything to say and didn't want to say anything. And I think I even shared with you guys both that it was 
you know, affecting me even just in my home life, you know, having a short mm-hmm. temper with, with my family, you know, the slightest little thing that happens to all of us who are married and have kids, you know, just day-to-day stuff, right? There really is nothing. I'm, I'm you know, flying off the handle over it because I've got this pent-up rage inside over, you know, what I've seen time and time and time again, and I don't know how to express it, right? And so the absolute worst thing uh, I probably could do, I did. You know, I'm lashing out at the people closest to me, people who could support me and would be willing to listen and try to understand what I'm feeling in that moment. And I think people may not realize this about this show, is that when we even first start talking about doing this, which was last season, and we did one episode, <laughs> we took the whole season off. <laughs> but even when we uh, started talking about doing this, you know, there, there, this incident obviously hadn't occurred at that time, but there have been other incidents. But we, we had always said that it was going to be that it was going to be about more than just football, and that um, you know we we wanted to cover whatever issues were important to us, whatever was going on that that mattered or, or, or was relevant, and that we wanted to kind of be there for one another. And so uh, a long-winded way of, of saying that I want to credit both uh, Chris and Carrie in that moment, those moments last week, for helping me, because I was expressing that to them, that, man, I'm, I'm not handling this well, particularly around my family. And both of them encouraged me to, hey, you need to just express that to them, talk to them about how you're feeling. You know, don't just be, you know, having the feelings come just lash out. You know, sit down and explain what you're feeling and that really helped a lot it really you know i don't say calm me down because <laughs> i think that that took even more time and it's still you know sort of slowly happening as a process but it helped me redirect it it helped me rechannel it and say hey this is not the direction it needs to be directed at it certainly doesn't need to be directed at people that love and care about me um so you know i say all of that to tie it back in to, you know, kind of a, a theme for me with this conversation now, like I said, I didn't feel it last week, but but since then now is that, hey, uh, you know, the only way that this ever gets better in any kind of way, incrementally or big, you know, big leaps of progress, however that happens, is together, right? People caring about each other, people uh, having empathy for one another and, you know, being there for one another and trying to be a part of each other's lives and say, hey, I, I might not be going through what you're going through. Maybe I don't even understand what you're going through because I've never been through it and may never be able to go through it because of, you know, the color of my skin or my, you know, socioeconomic status or where I live or what, you know, whatever the case may be. But that's the whole thing with empathy. You don't have to have it happen to you to at least be able to mentally and on some level, emotionally, be able to try and relate and try to understand what that other person is feeling and experiencing, right? Just the effort of trying to understand that um, is, mm-hmm. is, you know, what empathy really is all about to me. So I think that's how um, I've gotten to a point, probably the last two or three days, where that optimism, where that hopefulness has started to kind of, you know, build back up inside me. It's still not where 
I want it to be. I feel like it'll get there, but it's still not where I want it to be, but it's definitely better than where it was because, you know, and I think I, I told um, somebody else this the other day that if I don't hold on to those things, like I've always held on to them, love, empathy, believing in people, you know, the good in people, then what's the point? You know, what's the point of it if I can't believe in those things? It doesn't mean that it's going to be un, unshakable, right? It doesn't mean that belief can't, can't be shaken from time to time or that it may not waver at times. But it, it's almost like, um, I, I mentioned my brother before, uh, the two brothers, um, brother who's two years younger than me, who's a retired uh, police officer here in Maryland, Prince George's County, Maryland. And then a brother who's 10 years younger than me who, who lives in Florida. So I was talking to my youngest brother about this as well, who's still in Florida. And I said, and I mentioned that the thing that I just said about, hey, it might waver, it might shake. But he was like, yeah, it's like the palm tree, <laughs> right? Palm trees, the reason they can survive through hurricanes and these you know, huge storms and winds is because they're flexible, right? They bend and they, they, they kind of move with the wind and with the stress. Uh, but at that, that their strength is in being flexible, their resiliency, right? Not being rigid because um, they would just snap. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get myself back to that point uh, where I, I'd always kind of strive to be, which is, hey, you're going to have to be flexible. You're going to have to be resilient because there are going to be some things that knock you down. And, you know, you're going to have to try to find a way uh, to get back up, right, and keep, keep moving forward. So, that's kind of where I was at, where I'm, where I'm at now. Um, but I think maybe the, the, the next thing to talk about here is kind of, okay, what, what have we done since then? And I don't want to get into to too many specifics because I know when we did this, uh, there's some other people who participated in a conversation with us who, who wanted it to remain private. So I'm certainly not going to name names. I might vaguely <laughs> talk about some things that were discussed, but even that, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, uh, take anybody's confidence or trust and, and, and make them feel like they, they can't, they can't have that with me. But, you know, we, we decided that we needed to have a conversation and, and a dialogue with some people that don't look like us, with people who are white, you know, with, with, with people who have not had um, some of the experiences that we have had. And, you know, just try to be really open and honest about this issue and about the, the broader issues of race, racism, uh, police brutality, um, you know, inequality, you know, all of these things um, in our society. And so um, I go back to you, Chris, uh, you both, both guys, both, both, both Chris and Carrie uh, participated in those conversations with me. And, um, like I said, we don't we don't have to, you know, talk about what anybody else said um, to respect their trust and their privacy. We, you know, we can just talk about what we said. But wanted to get your thoughts first, Chris, uh, on that conversation or any other ones that you've had. Don't don't be limited to that. because I'm sure you've talked about this a lot with other people as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the conversation that we had was was really great um, just because it was an exposure to perspectives that I would have never had before because I'm you know my my community is majority Hispanic and black so I'm I don't have those conversations that much you know with people from other parts of the country 
you know, who, who may have, who may actually be, you know, police officers or have family members that are police officers. So to have those exposures to different people from different walks of life, it, it gives you a, a different perspective on things. And it also gives you another, another opinion and another, another way to look at things in a way that you never even thought of. And I think when you have those conversations and they hear you, you hear them and it's not, it's not an argument. Nobody's getting emotional about it. You may not agree with everything that we said that, you know, each of us say, but the fact that we're listening to each other, that helps tremendously with this situation because right now, a lot of people don't feel like they're being heard. And a lot of people feel who may have opposite point of views aren't really talking to each other. They're more yelling at each other. And when that happens, nothing's going to get accomplished. So with, with us, we may all have the same end game that we want. You know, we just want people to be treated fairly. But there are other details of how we get to that that we may not agree with. And that's fine. But having the conversation is is really good. And it's, it's therapeutic in a way. Because it's, you know, when you, like Mike said, you know, he just had this, you know, this whole situation just festering in him. And sometimes you don't know what to do with that. And then especially in this COVID situation where people are quarantined, it's not like you can just go up and see your best friends and have this talk to them about it. So having other people who are feeling the same way that you are and are in different parts of the country. You know, I've spoken to people in Los Angeles. I've spoken to people in Florida. Of course, I've spoken to people in Maryland. So you see everybody in the country and you see all these different things and different ideas that are being tossed out there and it's it's helped me you know just deal with my thoughts and not get over you know the the anger and the frustration that's that's still there in me but it it's helped me just calm down and 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 talk yeah that's uh that part of it, I think, is um, it, it's almost invaluable. It's almost hard to put a value on. Is having somebody that you can talk to who's willing to listen. You know, and that that, that was a that was a big thing about that conversation um, when we talked about doing it with these other folks. Is that you know, like you said, Chris, we don't have to agree on everything um, that we say, but. You know, we want to be respectful and we want to listen um, because that that that's at the that's that's one of the issues at, at the core of this is, you know, the, we have black people who, you know, this is not the first time, you know, and um, you know, they, we haven't been hurt, you know, <laughs> every time yep. these issues occur, there are protests, there are awareness campaigns. You know, there, there are all kinds of things, there's energy, you know, all kinds of things that happen. And, you know, there's 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 a lot of, uh, again, for lack of a better word, energy around those things in those moments. And then, you know, 
time goes on, and, and unfortunately, it's usually not a very long time until another incident occurs. And then here we are again. We're right back. And so, you know, you, you, you realize that you're not being listened to. You know, people hear you. They hear They see They hear, but they're not listening. Uh-huh. And it's an empathetic kind of listening, right? It's not just hearing the words that I'm saying or, or you know, reading the words, you know, if somebody's doing something and writing or whatever, but it's trying to put yourself in that position. How would you feel, you know, if that is you in right. that position, if that is your family member, your friend, whoever in that position where they're not being treated fairly and, and beyond not being treated fairly, uh, their life is being taken callously, senselessly, for no valid reason. You know, I had a, I had a coworker uh, who I had this conversation with, and she she's white, and she has a son, young son, he's like five years old, and she said, you know, she can't she can't imagine having to have that conversation with her son, not just because he's five. I mean, obviously probably wouldn't be talking to a five-year-old about that in general. Obviously, that's not a luxury that a lot of black people have. But in general, you would hope that you would have to have that conversation with any five-year-old. She knows my son is 13. And she was like, I know that you're talking to him about this. He's seeing these things, whether it's through, you know, social media. You know, he's on TikTok and he's showing me stuff, videos that I haven't even seen yet, um, which is a whole nother conversation about the images he's being exposed to at 13. Um, and so she just could. She was like, I can't imagine having to talk to my kid about having interactions with the police for literally doing nothing wrong and then complying with everything they tell you to do and still potentially having your life taken. It's just not, you know, it was, it was just something that doesn't that doesn't exist in her world. You know, the notion of having to have that conversation. And, and then would, that, would she know that? Like without, no, like exactly. <laughs> no. So that's that's why these conversations are so important. Is because she would have no idea about this. Yeah. Like she, yeah. there are so many people who have probably never really sat down and had a conversation with a black person, and they don't know what it what it's like. They don't know that you know you could just be walking, going to work, you know, a Family Guy, and you're being hassled by the cops and you know, your basic rights are being taken away, but they just hem you up and search you up for no reason, just because you fit a description. They, they don't know that. Not, not everyone, but I'm saying there is a certain part of this country that just doesn't understand what it's like to be black in this country. And And I, no, and I think this is bringing out, you know, this is bringing out exactly, you know, the all the problems that men and women from the black community go through. And it's, it's shining a light on it where people who, who don't really interact with any black people, they're like, oh, wow, I, I, I didn't know this was going on. I had no clue until these conversations were being had. Yeah, and I was just going to say, even even beyond just those deadly interactions with police because again like, like i mentioned I, my, my brother 
you know, I, so I've got a law enforcement officer in my family, you know, very close to me. Um, I grew up with him in the same house. So, um, you know, we saw Ahmad Charber, you know, th- th- those weren't police officers. But to your point, he's just out jogging mm-hmm. and gets hunted down, literally hunted down yep. in the street. So I'm not trying to single out any particular group. Right. I mean, look, you got to be real. You got to be realistic about the issue of police brutality and the excessive use of force. You can't ignore that. Right. I, I <laughs> trust me. I had this conversation with my brother yesterday and I understand coming from his perspective, how you can do that job for 22 years like he did. Try to be professional and courteous and all your interactions with people. But then, you know, be thrown into this group of, you know, all police officers are murderers and racists. Right. He's black. So you know, he's not getting it necessarily from that angle. But still, I get where he's coming from. And I say, yeah, man, I, I get that. And that that is a nuance to the conversation that does need to be articulated. But you also can't ignore the brutality and excessive use of force. And in too many cases, uh, abject murder. You can't ignore. It. So if, if people feel like I'm singling out the police, being too hard on the police. Hey, again, like we just said, we all are entitled to express our views on this. And if people disagree with me or feel I'm being, you know, too far, going too far on that, you're entitled to that. But uh, it's a reality right now. And it's it's something that, that has to be confronted, you know. So that, that's kind of where I am with that. But Carrie, let me, <laughs> let me go over to you. Um, as we had these conversations throughout the week with, people that are different from us, um, what were some of the things uh, for you um, that you were feeling or thinking about those conversations? Yeah, I thought they were great, man. I thought it was um, very uh, eye-opening, very authentic, and I think at the end of the day, it was a very productive, um, you know, conversation that we had. Um, You know, one of the first steps in this, man, is just having the conversation. And, you know, that's what we did. I mean, we had a very long, very um, candid, very open uh, conversation. And, you know, that is something just a simple conversation like this is something that a lot of people are uh, unwilling and kind of uncomfortable with doing. And, you know, one of the main things I just want to stress to people is that, as uncomfortable as a conversation as it is, uh, you know, as a as a person that's not of color, um, it's just as uncomfortable for a person of color to initiate these conversations and to kind of, um, you know, travel through these conversations and, um, you know, express the pain and, you know, the fear and all these different things. You know, it's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, me personally, I'm I'm an introverted person. Um, I process pretty much everything internally. Um, you know, very little uh, of those things kind of reach the outside. And when it does reach the outside, it's, it's kind of, you know, down to a, a select few people, you know, two of those people I'm talking to right now. But, um, you know, talking about these feelings, these fears and uh, all these things, uh, you know, in a more open space is not second nature to me at all. And I, and I think I could maybe agree that it's, uh, I mean, I, I could maybe, um, you know, speak for you guys as well as it, it's not really a comfortable thing to, 
to be, you know, talking about these things. Um, but I think it's necessary conversation and I think it can be productive, um, you know, when um, you're de- dealing with people that you really, truly feel receive it, respect it and, you know, are, are just willing to have the empathy. So, you know, the the gentleman we had a conversation with, I think they definitely received it and they show empathy. And I, I think on the on the opposite end, you know, them giving us their perspectives from the world, um, you know, the way they live in the world. I think um, we kind of reciprocated that, um, you know, show of empathy and show, um, you know, um, that understanding, um, you know, on their side as well. So, you know, I think it was, um, I think it was big, man. I, um, I don't know what it is. Is I don't, it's something about this specific situation that I, I haven't really been able to put my finger on, but I mean, let's be honest, this isn't, um, new news. There have been George Floyd's, many of them before, you know, they have been, um, you know, televised and recorded for the world to see. And, you know, it seems like now there's a lot of people that aren't, um, you know, people of color that are, you know, finally, you know, kind of willing to uh, have those conversations, kind of willing to understand the difficulty of being a person of color, um, you know, in this country. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's big. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what kind of happens from here, but, um, I, I just think it's interesting, um, the amount of allies that, you know, are, are, are kind of popping up here, um, with this. And, you know, that's been one good thing out of this that I can kind of, uh, take some solace in is, you know, I, I really do feel like there are people that don't um, have to walk in the shoes that we walk in that are truly listening and truly understanding, um, you know, what it is to be black, um, you know, growing up in, in America. And so, you know, hopefully people continue to be comfortable with the conversation and and they kind of influence more people to be comfortable with the conversation. I agree that 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 is a a very big positive um, for me as well, Gary, that that has come out of these conversations is that, um, you know, you are getting people who, well, let me me not label it because I don't want to be negative about it, but, but people who maybe weren't engaged in this, uh, in that way, now are, right, and are, are, are being intentional about it, right, it's not just, it's not sort of a passive thing, it's not just kind of seeing it, reading about it, the people who I've talked to who um, I know have been against these kinds of things, who, who don't support these kinds of things, but just hadn't really wanted to engage in the conversation, or kind of get into it, you know, but are, but are now doing that because they feel convicted. You know, I had a neighbor tell me that is the exact word that he used. Man, I feel convicted, you know, that I've, I've kind of been sitting on the sidelines on this. And it's not enough for me to say, well, 
I, I you know, internally or within my family and friends say, hey, no, nah, we don't support this. We, we, we want equality for all people. We, we don't support racism or, or any of that. But to, to stop it there, right, and not, not have that go out beyond the four walls of my house is what he said. And I need, I need to do more than that now. So, you know, that, that's big uh, if people are willing to do that now. And, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a generational kind of thing, too, because I think you see a lot of the people who are out protesting and trying to raise awareness are younger people. And, you know, uh, I remember something my grandfather used to say. He passed last year, but he, he um, lived in Ohio and had always been involved in the community. He was kind of a community organizer without being like, you know, having a formal title, which <laughs> is somebody who would just be out there just doing stuff. Um, he used to always tell me, he was like, you know, the work never ends, Mike. Right. It just gets passed from one generation. Mm-hmm. To the other, he's like, if you ever look at this fight as, you know, we did it, right? Go home, kick up your feet, put your hands behind your head. Hey, we finally won. He was like, you're fooling yourself. There is uh-huh. there there is no end to it. It's a continuous fight. It's continuous work, and each generation has to pick up that mantle and carry it the next step forward. And uh, I think we're seeing that. Um, and there and there's there's you know. Many different generations out in these in these marches right now, um, you know, kind of all blending together. But you know, I talked about my son, you know, being 13, and now he, um, you know, getting engaged in some ways that he hadn't been engaged in before. Um, because I told him the other day, I said, "Look, man, quite frankly, uh, this is going to be your world. Right? You're going to inherit this world." I mean, I hope I'm here uh, for a lot longer, but I said, you know, realistically, uh, God willing, you're going to be here a lot longer than me at this point. So this is going to be the world that you inherit. And so what it looks like, the direction that it moves in, um, you know, is going to be shaped by people your age, you know, or that, in that general, you know, sort of age group. So to see them get involved and get engaged in this work because that's really what it is you know it's it's work right i mean yeah. the awareness part of it is is key the having the conversations and the dialogue part of it is key um and then there's there's an action piece right there's a work piece where things have to be converted from conversation into tangible outcome and you know, that's not necessarily something you want to rush into. And that's why conversations are important. And you want to be able to come up with things that are going to have lasting effect or real, you know, tangible effect. Um, but that's 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 kind of the next step for me. And that's kind of where I'm going, I guess, with this, I guess, I'll call it a question um, is, you know, what 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 are those sort of next steps? Uh, obviously, we're going to continue to have conversation because we have to. We have to. We can't. We can't stop talking about these issues openly and honestly. But then, you know, the work has to be done. And so for me, uh, I'll just. You know, I can only talk about what I I can do and what I'm trying to do. Um, and I know this from talking to my brother is uh, I need to probably have more engagement with law enforcement here locally for me. There was a time uh, that I was going uh, to some of the uh, 
Police Community Relations Council, I think, or commission, I think is what they call it here in the county where I live. I was going to those meetings. I have them every Friday uh, at your local district. I'm in the Western District here in my county. Um, but then I stopped going. Um, but I need to keep going. Because uh, one thing I, I, I learned from my brother in his 22 years is it's like anything else in life, man. You're, you're, you're building relationships. You're developing relationships, right? And so when those officers saw me and they saw my kids or if I had a neighbor of mine who I was able to kind of encourage to come, hey, man, just come and listen. You know, just come and hear what they're talking about. And they get to meet them and they see you, you know, every Friday, time and time again, you're showing up there. And then you start to have conversations even after the meeting, kind of just hanging around before you go home. Hey, you know, talk about this, talk about getting to know them. Um, there's an Anne Arundel County detective who lives basically right across the street from me, had been there um, not too long in the neighborhood, probably less than a year ago. Um, but I didn't know that that was his job until I bumped into him at the meeting. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't know you were you a cop. I didn't know that. And, you know, we had been talking just in passing in the neighborhood. I'm out walking my dog or we riding bikes with the kids. You wave or you stop and talk a little bit. Um, but come to find out, his son and my son go to the same, um, it's like a youth group at our church. I didn't know that. My son's like, yeah, I know him. So, you know, when you, you develop these relationships, then, you know, it's personal. I mean, that's just human nature. It's personal, you know, at that point. And look, I mean, I'm probably being overly optimistic about it because I'm sure that there's some people who could say, hey, man, that's a bunch of BS. Don't none of that matter. Um, but in my mind, if you can develop those relationships, if you can build those personal bonds, then I, I just believe, just my personal belief is a whole hell of a lot harder to see somebody as less than human, to see their life as having no value when you develop those personal bonds. Um, and that's just me. You know, I know a lot of people are going to say, hey, I shouldn't have to do that. I got other stuff I need to do. I, you know, I shouldn't take my time out and do whatever. Look, I'm not going to disrespect or pass judgment on how anybody else wants to approach that. But for me, I just feel like that's something that I need to do more of. And, and even on the other side of that, you know, when there are people who have had bad um, interactions with the police and, you know, through no fault of their own. That's another side that I need to engage with more. Um, and I think I've told both of you guys before, I don't feel like I'm uh, good at a whole lot of things in life other than probably talking and bringing people together. And so I can't always guarantee what's going to happen once they get together. But I think that if, if God has blessed me with anything, uh, he's given me this ability to bring different groups of people together. And so maybe that's a way, one way, not the only way, but one way that I can help and take some some action, some tangible action uh, to try to make things better. So um, and Mike and, and like like you said, like for some people that where they're saying, you know, maybe not agree with what you would do. That's fine, too. You know, like it's. If something, and it's not just speaking to you, Mike, just to anybody out there, like whatever you do and whatever you, you feel like is something that can help you and your situation, and if someone outside of it criticizes you or says it's not enough, don't even pay attention to that. Just do you. If you have something in your heart that's saying, I want to do this, 
just go out and do it because the person criticizing you, they might not be doing anything at all. They might be doing everything they can, but still, that's them. You know, it starts with small steps. You know, you don't have to, you know, become, you know, a, a you know, the, the front of the lines protester, you know, as your first step. You know, you can take baby steps and then see where it goes after that. You know, too many people, they, they kind of let these outside influences and the guilt kind of bog them down and they tend to overcompensate and try to bite off more than they can chew. But, you know, just do things that you're comfortable with and do things that feel right to you and then just build off of that. And it's so true, man. And it's like you said earlier, I think most reasonable people of all colors, creeds, economic backgrounds can agree on some of these outcomes. We all want to see all people treated equally. We all want to see all people's lives valued equally and protected. Uh, but how you get there, um, you know, can be in a variety of different ways. And so, you know, what I think is the way for me or the ways for me may not be what you think are the ways for you. And that's mm -hmm. fine because there's no one. I don't think that there's any one right way to move this thing forward. You know, there's going to be a bunch of different ways right. to do it. Um, and there's going to be, you know, uh, sort of taking some steps forward, and taking some steps back and then taking some more steps forward. You know, uh, we, we talk about this when we talk about football and players, right? Even player development is not always linear. It's not a straight line pointing up. Yeah, you know, you just get better steadily. You never, you never have any, any, um, you know, setbacks or obstacles where, where maybe you, you know, you kind of falter a little bit. But that's life, you know. And you try to learn from those things, and then you try to use what you've learned to move you forward, move you even further forward. So that's a good point. I need to keep that in mind, um, and and I always do try to remind myself of that. It's like, look, this is just your way, right? And somebody can criticize it, and, and somebody's always gonna gonna criticize something uh that you're doing right for, for whatever reason but if like you said if you if you believe in it and it's something that you want to do um then you do it and you know you see where it goes from there but um carrie i guess i'll come back to you chris because i never really gave you a chance but carrie let me let me ask you what, what, are, what are your thoughts about um you know sort of the the work part of this right the action part of this yeah i think I've seen some things put out there, and I, I think people have to be careful. They have to be kind of really specific in, you know, what they're asking, you know, black leaders and the black community as a whole to do. You know what I mean? Like spreading awareness, educating, you know, supporting each other, uh, standing up for yourself. Yes, all those things. But like creating like a wholesale fix to the issues. Nah, you know, that has to be uh, up to the people that don't treat black people with the dignity and respect that they deserve. You know, it, it's not up to a black person to, uh, you know, create the fixes for these issues. Um, you know, like on one hand, some of this stuff can be complex, but uh, on another hand, it's not complex at all. It's kind of, you know, just, hey, one group of people gets treated one way, the other group of people gets treated less than. So 
let's bridge that gap. You know, all all these there's um there's numbers out there for everything that that show the disparities and you know just about anything you can name. You know, it's not really hard to get your hands on that information. So you know, holding these these um places a, a accountable and you know really diving in and you know getting some third parties involved and you know like I said bridging these gaps and you know try to figure out you know um, what needs to be done um, to make sure that that things are are a bit more even um, is you know gonna be huge um, and you know that's gonna take really you know dedicated work and people at the top, that are you know focused on making sure those changes happen you know obviously um police reform of some sort again getting the third party involved you know really looking at the processes and um you know making sure that uh outcomes like we saw with george floyd um aren't the norm making sure that it doesn't take um an eight minute video to to reach the masses and you know protesting to start and all of this um, in order for there um, to be arrest made. So um, I, I think I do think it's an important that, you know, black people speak up and, you know, show that awareness and, you know, talk about some of the hardships and those things like that. But, you know, it, it's more important that, um, you know, the people that have, you know, oppressed people of color, um, you know, really, really um, be held accountable and, you know, have those conversations and, you know, make sure that uh, those changes are being made. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I don't think that I've, I've mentioned this during this conversation. I might have said it in another one, maybe even on Twitter. I've been I feel like I've been talking uh, all week. <laughs> so I'm losing track of uh, what I said and, and who I said it to or where I said it. But um, so many times in this country when things have changed, it's been the result of economic pressure. You know, I mean, it's the bottom line. You can have your opinion on that and whether that should be a factor or shouldn't be. And I mean, there's, there's probably, you know, definitely a moral component to that argument, but, but the reality is this is a capitalistic country and the companies that operate in this space, a lot of the institutions uh, that operate in this space are shaped and, you know, sort of, sort of pointed in certain directions um, as a result of economic pressure. So I know something, uh, another sort of tangible thing for me is to make sure that I understand that who I spend my money with, whatever that company is, whatever that business is, whatever that product that I'm buying, whatever that services service is that I'm buying, that I understand where they invest their money, you know, and that can be political, that can be socially, you know, what do they do in their communities, you know, where these, these businesses, um, are housed or, you know, headquartered or whatever, you know, how, how, what, what do they do in, in those communities? Um, that's something that I need to educate myself on and be more conscious and more intentional about how I spend that money. Because, you know, you 
can you can you can tell yourself all kinds of stories as well as money goes here and then it filters all different kinds of ways through the company. So it's not really going. No, that's not it. By doing that, uh, if I spend my money with one of those entities and they don't reflect my interests, then I'm directly contributing to that. Right. There ain't no way for me to sugarcoat that. That's what I'm doing. And so, um, that's another tangible thing for me, because like you just said, Carrie, just like those numbers on anything, that information is out there. You can find out who these companies are investing their money with uh, politically and socially or not. You know, they're not invest- when, when they're not investing in certain causes or things that matter to you. Um, and, and so that pressure is real and will be real if applied uh, by enough people. So that's that's the thing for me. But Chris, I know delayed this uh <laughs> let me ask you now on this question of sort of tangible things action the work part of you know the change that we all can agree needs to happen what are your thoughts on that? so where where i came to it from was just like inside my own household like with my daughters so um my and my girlfriend, she's she's Colombian. So my my daughters they're a little bit lighter. So I asked my daughter, "What color is she?" And she said, "White." Like she just looked at her arm and she said, "White." And my girl was like, "No, no, 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 no! You're not white. You're not white." And that kind of set something in my head where I'm like, she, you know, she doesn't. I mean, she's only three years old. So she's just looking at her her hand and saying, you know, white, because that's the the color she sees. But I want to teach her as she comes up, you know, that her her nose may look different. Her lips may look different. Her hair texture might be different. You know, it's it's not going to be the same as, you know, some. You know, girls that you see on Nickelodeon, it, it might be a little bit different and that's fine. What I want to teach them is to embrace it, you know, and embrace it if they they may look different, they may sound different. You know, I think too many times we, you know, we kind of don't get to see ourselves represented in big time media. And, you know, I know my daughter, she's I mean, the biggest film she's seen with someone of color is probably Moana. After that, it's just frozen. And I don't want her growing up thinking white skin, blue eyes, blonde hair, that's what's pretty. I I don't want her to think that at all. I want her to know that pretty comes in different colors, different sizes. It's pretty isn't just one thing. And and that that kind of you know set it off in my head earlier this week, and I was just like that that's something that really needs to be addressed. And I, I'm you know I want to go look for more cartoons with with a you know princesses of uh, of color and you know superheroes, super women of color, you know not just you know a, a frozen movie where you know everyone looks the same. I, I I want there to be diversity, and I want her to embrace, 
you know, how she, how she is and how she looks. Cause that, that's a big problem that we see within our own communities is, is we aren't represented a lot. And, you know, subconsciously we're shown that we're ugly because we don't look like this. We don't fit that mold. And, you know, more and more we see society kind of inching towards, you know, let's get rid of those old standards. And, you know, this let's show, you know, that there's a multitude of of pretty and a multitude of beautiful. You know, it, it's not just this set standard that we've we've grown to to see over the years. So that's just what I want to do, just in, in my household. And um, that's where the change starts in the household. That's absolutely true. I mean, before you can go out and do anything in the world, it's got to start right there at home. And that point, um, and I'll, I'll just I'll use these as kind of my my final thoughts on this because I want to you know leave space for you guys, and it doesn't have to be your final thoughts. I mean, if you guys want to cover anything else, we can. But for me, um, kind of be my final thoughts on this is that. I think that you hit on something that really is important uh, and something I've kind of been really thinking about the last couple of days is this this idea of, you know, I, I'm always, I, I told myself I didn't want to spend any more time being divisive, right? I didn't want to put anything out on Twitter. I didn't want to do anything on this podcast. I didn't want to do anything in my, my day-to-day interactions, just in my own personal circles with being divisive. You know, I wanted to to do things that were unifying and, and spread messages and communicate in ways that are unified. And it almost seemed backwards to me when I was thinking about it in my head, but then I was like, it's really not though. So what you were saying there about acknowledging that you're different and being proud of that and embracing that, to me, that is I mean, maybe the ultimate way to show unity. Right. And that's why I said in my mind when I first said that, I was like, that sounds kind of backwards. Right. You're going to you're going to show that you're unified by acknowledging and embracing your differences. But then I said, no, think about it. I said, think about it. If if because there's this notion, right, the American, you know, the melting pot. Right. And everybody comes in from all these different backgrounds and they assimilate right (laughs) into this one cultural sort of identity. But that's not unity. I said unity really, to me, should be, okay, I acknowledge that I'm different from you, right? I have different cultural identity, um, many other things that are different about me from you. And we agree together in unity to respect that, your differences and my differences, right? We also agree uh, to honor those things, right? We're not going to be disrespectful of those things, although they may be different. You have different things that you celebrate, different things, uh, maybe from a religious perspective or beliefs, you know, whatever. But we're going to honor those things, those differences about one another. And to me, that's the thing that really is unifying is the fact that we can agree that we're going to be respectful, we're going to honor, we're going to embrace, we're going to acknowledge all of those differences and not try to squash them out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was, you know, I probably was 
it was, it was on my birthday the other day, and I won't lie that I had a few shots of Maker's Mark. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I was just in my philosophy bag, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's deep, man. The way to unify is to be different. <laughs> so who, who knows? Maybe that's really what it was. But but seriously, uh, I, that really did kind of click for me. Like, no, that's 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 got to be it. That's got to be it. That has to be the way uh, to approach it because we've done it. The, we, we've tried to do it the other way where everybody assimilates and you almost have to uh, subdue or, or hide or subjugate, whatever word you want to use, um, the things that make you who you are. And, and, you know, from a cultural perspective, right, because then you don't fit in if, if you express those things because they're different. But that 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 clearly has not worked, <laughs> right? When we look at the outcomes and we look at where we are in 2020 from 1619, when the first black people put their foot on these shores, clearly that hasn't worked. So maybe we need to try something else. Uh, and so that that's just my my kind of final thought on that. But uh, Carrie, I'll go to you. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts or like I said they don't have to be closing if you've got other things that you want to talk about on this that we, we haven't covered yeah I was just thinking about man um just shout out to all of the people that just like have no relentlessness in in their bravery like being willing to speak out and, and take a stand um it's difficult man that's a sacrifice like that's not something that we should gloss over or assume that everybody can do and, and, and will do because that's not the case. Like I, I keep thinking about the, um, the King of the wilderness, that, um, MLK, um, movie that uh, HBO has. And, you know, I, and I, I told this story to you guys, but, you know, I'll share it with, uh, you know, listeners, uh, about how, um, um, I forgot who it was, but he he noticed a um, he noticed that uh, Martin Luther King had kind of like a like a nervous tick. And, um, you know, he noticed it over time and then eventually he uh, he noticed the tick go away. And so he asked um, Martin, he asked him, you know, what happened to the tick? And, um, you know, MLK, they, um, you know, I saw interviews where people would ask him about death. And he'd always kind of blow it off. They'd ask him if he was, you know, scared for his life. And, you know, he'd always kind of blow it off and kind of, you know, take it in a different direction. But when he asked him about that tick being gone, he said that he was uh, finally uh, comfortable with the idea of death. So, I mean, imagine someone being that committed to the greater good that, you know, at not even 40 years old, he was so comfortable with the fact that his life was on the line, but he was going to do what was right for everybody and, you know, be willing to put his life on the line to do that. And it just kind of has resonated with me ever since. And, you know, I'll I'll never be able to live up to that, but if I can kind of learn those lessons from that and try to be a percentage, um, you know, as brave as he was and, you know, just try to live my life in a way that is representative of that. I, I, you know, I, I think I'll be doing, um, I think I'll be doing the world, um, you know, good. And, you know, I, I challenge everybody to, 
they kind of have that same kind of thought process. I mean, you know, it's coming back to empathy. Um, you know, hopefully um, nobody's rubbed the wrong way by, you know, anything that any of us has said, you know, um, but, you know, there's a lot of uh, pain and, like I said, hurt and, you know, fear and, you know, all of us, you know, we could do another pod just talking about our personal situations, um, you know, of uh, times where we've been treated away by law enforcement or, you know, somebody that isn't uh, of color um, and, you know, how that affects you, you know, that affects your um, it affects how you move in the world afterwards. You know, they, these are, are, are scarring things that, you know, being black, you kind of learn how to persevere through, but um, certain things you just shouldn't have to go through. And so, you know, we're, we're all kind of flawed in that sense by, you know, we're just kind of trucking through pain, just going through life, just, you know, trying to, um, you know, work our way through pain. So, you know, hopefully people understand that, you know, when we, uh, you know, speak out about these things is not because we want to just be difficult or, you know, be divisive or we're trying to rock the boat. No, we just kind of, you know, just want to be treated fairly. So, you know, hopefully that's what people took from this. And I hope that, you know, people um, listen and, um, you know, you know, give us some feedback on it. Um, and, you know, that's that's kind of where I am with it. Yeah, I, I would encourage people. Um, I'll just put myself out there. I'm not going to speak for you or, or Chris, but I would encourage people who who do disagree with something that I've said that that they have heard on this pod or seen me put out on Twitter. Um, look, I'm at Abukari, A-B-U-K-A-R-I. Uh, if you don't want to do it publicly, send me a DM. Uh, I want to hear that perspective. I mean, I, I'd be I'd be a hypocrite if I said, hey, we've been having all these conversations about open and I, honest dialogue. And then if there's somebody who disagrees with something that I've said and uh, I don't make myself available to have a conversation about that. So by all means, um, whether you do it that way, whether you leave feedback through a review on this pod, you know, however you do it. But by all means, I encourage you to do that because I mean it when I say it, you know, I'm open to having those conversations and they're not always going to be comfortable. Um, matter of fact, uh, for it to to probably have any kind of real meaning when we come to it, knowing we disagree, it probably has to be uncomfortable and should be uncomfortable, you know, um, and I'm OK with that. Um, so. I, I definitely encourage and, and echo everything that uh, Carrie just said. And I'll tell you right now, Carrie, I'm definitely not that courageous. Uh, <laughs> it's not, there's, not, there's not even any question to me about, am I, could I be? There's no way. Um, I mean, Dr. King he clearly resigned himself uh, in his own mind uh, to giving up his life for what he believed. In. You know, he had come to terms with that, that choice. And, and, and acted accordingly, didn't change, didn't stop, and knew that that would be the outcome. You know, I'm not saying he knew when or where or how, but I think he knew that that was going to be the outcome if he continued on his path, and he did it anyway. 
So um, if there's a stronger word for courage, I'm not smart enough to know it, um, but if that describes him and, and many others, but definitely describes Dr. King. And Chris, um, closing thoughts, any other topics, anything else you want to bring up before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, um, just uh, I just want to talk to people about uh, engaging on social media with people because sometimes we see, you know, things can go left right away on social media and we can see these threads go on for hours and hours of people just arguing back and forth and that's not healthy for anybody where you're just engaging with a stranger and just, you know, being disrespectful to one another for hours and hours and hours. And you have other people jumping in from each side. And it's like, when you get to that point, just log off, log off, spend time with your family. You know, it's, it's not worth it. It's not healthy. You know, it's, it's just going to bring more negativity. You know, if you see something going left, just walk away. It's it takes a lot out of you to be arguing online with strangers and feel like you have to be battling these people all day. You know, you're not going to change anyone's mind by doing that. That's the first thing you should understand. You're not going to change anyone's mind arguing with them online. If you want, you put your opinion out there. People accept it. Fine. If they don't, that's fine, too. It's not it's not our job or anyone's job to change someone's mind. What you can do is speak on your experiences and tell people why you feel a certain way. But trying to change everyone's mind, that's that's not going to happen. And you're going to find yourself in a really bad mental space if if you harp on on just trying to to be the right one trying to change someone's you know whole ideology on how they perceive these things it's it's really not worth it at all if if you're gonna you know sacrifice your health and your mental well-being just to try to engage with somebody who might just be doing it just to get on your damn nerves just for you know shits and giggles not because they're actually having a real conversation they could just be you know messing around with you and have you know no real opinion on the situation but you're taking it like it's real you know that's it's not worth it you know you're better off just going out spending time with the family like i said taking a walk or something instead of engaging in these these negative back and forth that that really go nowhere and that was really the, the the prime reason why we wanted to have our conversation um through a different medium other than Twitter, because, you know, Twitter can be useful in a lot of ways, but I think one of the main things that it lacks is context. And in these kinds of discussions, context is everything. You know, um, if you're getting something in a tweet, (laughs) you know, obviously you're limited by characters and, you know, you see people, you know, put together, you know, threads and, and, and even if you read through an entire thread, which people, if they're honest, will admit they don't kind of cherry pick certain parts. 
But even if you do read the, the whole thing, again, it's just hard to get that same context uh, that you can get when you are having a verbal conversation with somebody. I, I mean, there's even another level when you're having a in-person conversation with somebody. Now, I know we all have um, you know, different restrictions on us right now because of the coronavirus. Um, but even if you're doing it, you know, over a video chat, but when, you know, whenever we are able to get back and have more face-to-face kinds of things, um, that's something that I want to do more of too. Um, I've, I've had the, uh, the pleasure to meet, um, probably a, a, a fair amount of people who listen to this pod who are in this area, in the Maryland area. Um, and so, um, I'd like to, to do more of that with them. So, yeah, I mean, to Chris's point, um, try not to get sucked into that stuff. Um, because a lot of times, like he said, the, the motivation uh, behind that other person is not genuine. They're not trying to have a meaningful conversation about this. Um, they're just trying to start something, you know. So try not to get sucked into that. Like he said, log off, right? <laughs> Spend time with your family. Do some push-ups. <laughs> go, for, go for a walk, whatever. That's get, what I need to do. Get, get out of there, um, you know. So something we can all do more of. That's 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 for sure. Um, but look, we're we're you know, hopefully we, we want to get back to football. We want to get back to things um, that aren't as heavy, that entertain us. But the reality is the reason that we're not talking about that right now is because this issue is so much more important and it's so relevant right now you know has always been but here it is again with another flashpoint that just puts it right back in our face and this will continue happening and the people who want to say i just want to talk about sports i just you know why can't we just not not get because we won't we won't if this is where we are then this is where we stay and it feels like it feels like there's a major shift going on right now and you know that's and I know some people, you know, they want the distraction, but right now, this this shift and this movement that's going on is more important than how the Ravens' backfield is going to be split. You know, that it's more important than that right now at this moment. You know, maybe in a week or two, maybe we'll get back to it. But for right now, this is this is what you know we needed to do, and and what we agreed we needed to do. You know, as, as a as a unit. Yeah, and look, we we appreciate everybody who listens. We value everybody who listens. Um, but, you know, if this kind of content isn't for you right now, then, you know, there is a universe of podcasts out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm certainly not uh, trying to chase anybody off or chase anybody away, but I'm also not going to apologize for us choosing um to talk about this because I think it's important. We all agree that it was important and you know, damn it, it's our podcast. So (laughs) for no other reason, that's, that's why we're going to do it. But we, we, we had many, many other reasons uh, for, for wanting to do it. So um, look, I, 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 when I say that and I'm sincere, I do appreciate everybody who takes the time out to listen to Mm -hmm. this because when you think about it, that's really the only thing um, uh, 
we all have, right? There's a lot of stuff, you, tangible stuff that you think, you know, your house, your cars, money, whatever. It's your family and it's your time, right? And you're choosing to spend your time listening to us. So well, I'm, I'm, I'm sincere, you know, believe me when I say that, that I appreciate everybody who listens uh, and engages with us. And, you know, um, we, we are... Hopefully, like I said, going to get to that point where we can have fun and joke and talk about lighter subjects, but that's not where we're at right now. So, you know, I hope everybody understands that and appreciates that and, you know, continues to stick with us and engages with us. Like you said, you know, this isn't just a one way conversation, you know, you know, interact with us so we can we can further this conversation. So um, I'm going to drop it right here, fellas. Um, we'll wrap this up and. We'll probably be back next week with another pod. What that pod will be about, we'll see. You got to tune back in. So uh, until next time, uh, love everybody. Stay safe out there, and um, you know, let's 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 try to have some empathy, you know, and listen to one another.
You keep going. 